From Content360, this is the State of Client Acquisition. Welcome to the State of Client Acquisition. This is your host, Michael Bohannes. In today's episode, I discuss hiring freelancers, contractors, video editors, virtual assistants, and uh, the whole shebang. Anybody who can help you, who are your consultant, coach, or small B2B CEO, to be more effective in your marketing efforts. So we cover quite a bit of ground with my client, Richard, who had a couple of questions for me, and we decided to just jump on a LinkedIn Live and to cover his questions around getting started with hiring freelancers. I hope you enjoyed. I hope this methodology will help you find some great collaborators. I know it has helped me to find awesome people who work with me and who are taking this clip and editing it right into my podcast. So without any further ado, here is today's episode. Okie doke, we are live. Hello, Richard. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm very good as well. So great to have you here. And anybody who is watching, please feel free to at any time drop questions <clears throat> in the comment box. We are live on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. So what we decided to do, Richard and I, is because he had a couple of really good questions about outsourcing tasks and finding contractors. So what I did is I took all your questions, Richard, and I created a new version of a presentation that's already part of the Alpha Lead Academy, my uh, training portal for my training program for consultants, coaches, and small B2B. And I decided to soup it up because you had a couple of really good questions there. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to go through it, shall we? Excellent. Let's do it. Let's do it. Good. So outsourcing and finding contractors. First of all, uh, let's take a look at the kind of the universe of organic client acquisition, the model that I, that I have of what kind of tasks we are looking at uh, in the whole process of client acquisition. And there we see that these three areas are most likely to be used for contractors and generally outsourcing tasks. So growing your network up on prospecting and also publishing content. So we can take a look at that. Now, briefly, why am I qualified to talk about this? I've hired about 10 contractors in my business. Is about half of them, I would say, were sort of sources for great lessons learned. If you want to uh, do that, say, uh, phrase it charitably. And about half were a really good success. And with some of them, I'm still working. We've With some of them, we parted ways amicably because there was no more need. But I now work currently with two contractors uh, right now. And I had another one over the summer. So that's let's now look at the entire universe of what kind of work buckets can be outsourced. In yellow, I'm, I put those that I actually did that I have personal experience with. But I'm pretty sure that in the other ones, I could uh, I could also activate it and do pretty much the same thing. And I also rank them by how much you will need to pay them, right? So at the very top is appointment setting. This is what most people know as having a setter. This is somebody who logs into uh, into LinkedIn or any other social platform as you and, and uh, simply conducts conversations and does prospecting on your behalf. And uh, then you have content drafting and management. So for example, there are some tasks such as grab the best LinkedIn post from last week and create a digest for the email list, draft the email inside the email marketing tool. 
or take these five ideas that I give you and draft a couple of LinkedIn posts from them, organize my video files and so on. Those are content drafting and management tasks that you probably will have to pay 15 to $25 per hour. Then there's a couple of VA tasks that require a pretty switched on virtual assistant, right? There's a couple of tasks that are more simple, more mechanic where you don't really have to think much. And those are the ones at the bottom where you usually pay anywhere from five to $8 an hour. But there's a couple of them that you can get somebody like my virtual assistant who is doing the clip selection is working at, at on, on the lower end of that spectrum. But, but I had to look for her for quite a while. Right. So that was, that was not terribly easy. I still use my process that I will show, but those are a little bit more involved tasks that require, for example, a good sense of language, a lot of attention to detail, thinking qualitatively, right? Rather than just plainly executing. So those are the number three more involved tasks. And then there's four video editing. The great thing about this is that not that it's a particularly simple task, so you still have to kind of know the skill, but it's a clearly defined skill area that many people have and that you can therefore get at a relatively low rate. Okay. So those are the work buckets. And then in terms of, and Richard, this was one of the questions that you asked up front was what kind of task could you outsource? So the ones I just went through it, what are the tasks, but also everybody's business is different. So what I recommend that you do is that for one week, you track what you do and you do that in 30 minute increments. You can use the time block planner. Anybody who's interested, who's watching this, I'm going to be linking to that document that you can see here on the right in the show notes. And uh, can also, I'm going to drop it into the chat box here at the end. But basically here, you just simply track, you give yourself a timer on the phone and you let it beep every 30 minutes. And then you always, when the beep comes, you just write down what you just now did. And at the end of the week, you summarize and see, okay, what are the tasks that I was doing? And is there any one task that is more than, let's say, half an hour, an hour a week, that if I aggregated this and gave a good description, that somebody could do them for me? Okay, so that's the uh, time audit. Now let's look at the hiring process. The hiring process is very similar for all the roles. You simply put a free job ad on Upwork or LinkedIn. Those platforms, I hired everybody that I had and it's absolutely enough. And I got dozens and sometimes even a hundred applications. In one, I got like 150 applications. Then you direct that to a landing page, which is optional. It's, I would say it's required for the premium roles for the more uh, expensive ones. And then on that landing page is ideally a video. And I'm going to show you my example of the landing page that I have. On the landing page is a video because for, especially for the involved roles, I believe that it's very important that you get a sense of the person you're going to be working for. So there's a video of me talking about the role and telling more about like what, what is expected of them and so on. And then below that video is a questionnaire. It's because I, I just don't believe in, in cover letters. It's it's all a big pile of BS, <laughs> what people write. And so it's so much better to have a specific questionnaire where you ask for questions that you want people to, to, to cover. And those can be, and we're going to go into a bit more detail, but then you go into once somebody has answered the questions to your satisfaction, they did it well, then you select three to five good candidates who appear good, who seem to be good on paper, and you give them, and that's the key thing, that I noticed that this is the big differentiator, you give them a paid project. 
something that, you know, for four, five, six hours that they have to do where they simply show you how they work. And it has to be a paid project because good, you will otherwise create a negative selection. Only those people who are desperate enough are going to do the, the project without pay. So that's why you pay it. And then you do a quick interview. That's more optional. Uh, I would definitely do it for the more uh, involved and more premium roles. Okay, so let's go into a bit more detail. This is a this is the free job ad that I put for one of the latest roles that I hired for. And in my experience, I mean, everybody can do it the way they want. What I've experienced is that, especially when it's something a bit more like a mechanical task, I just write down what is expected of you. This is what you're going to do so that people really can read about it and say, yep, that sounds like something I can do. And then they apply, right? And I just post it out there and so that it gets the widest uh, caption, kind of the widest catchment area. And because of the rate that I offer, because it's a relatively low value task, everything is relative, doesn't mean it's no value, but you know, it's it's not rocket science. There I say that the pay is going to be five to seven, uh, five to ten dollars. And then I just simply let people apply. And of course, that's the interesting thing that people will apply, somebody will apply offering five dollars. Somebody else will apply and offering $10. Of course, the hurdle that the, the hoops that the $10 person has to jump through are more, I expect more of them because of course I'm willing to pay for better performance. You know, if they're going to be more switched on, I'm happy to pay the $10 because they're going to do the task faster, but they then need to jump through more hoops and I need to be more convinced of them that they're good. Cool. So that's the, that's the job ad. And then we get into the landing page. There, I would really do a video. The recommended structure for that video is, this is our company goal and how you, the applicant, fit into it. I think this is quite important to tell them kind of to how they fit into the overall role, really make them feel like they're going to be part of a team rather than just this is the task you're going to be executing. You know, everybody feels a bit more, it's, it's a bit more warmer. And then what's special about the role, do sell it as well, right? If you can, for example, especially the setter role, if you have somebody who's doing outbound prospecting for you and you know how to do it, they're going to learn a really good skill, a really valuable skill, if they don't already have to be very proficient in it, if you're willing to, to train them on the job. And in the same vein, highlight the learning opportunity if there is one. You know, if they're going to learn something valuable, tell them. Then company values. It's, if it's a long-term involvement, then you also want them to be aligned to your values. Any previous experience that they need, the skills we're looking for. And I honestly, I know not everybody does that. I just spell out the compensation completely upfront. And I don't, I mean, if somebody wants to get paid significantly more, probably they're not going to be a fit anyway. But I'm not completely closed off to the idea of paying slightly more if I really feel that they're amazing and that, that they would be, or just flexibly compensate them. But generally, I would say the compensation is fixed and it's better to state it up front so that people can decide whether they want to do it or not. And then the timeline, when are we hiring and so on, and then action steps and what the process will look like. And even client testimonials. Remember, if you want good people, you also need to sell yourself and the product. So I always include my happy client testimonials and link to the product so that they can see what we actually do. And then also what I recommend is that you the key takeaways from the video are also spelled out on the landing page as text. So let me quickly show you that landing page. This is, this is the landing page. This is the video. Here is the application. 
and then the opportunity where I just spell out what I say in the video as well in full. And then the client, this is an old video. I'm, I'm not using that landing page anyway, but here are all the client testimonials that I have and, and so on, right? So this is, this is that old landing page. It's from, I think I made this in June. So that's, that's the landing page. Cool. And then the, the questionnaire that is, you can see here, you can just, you can just run through it. You know, last name, we don't have to run through it. It's pretty straightforward. Some of the questions that are in there, I highlighted, for example, what I find to be very valuable and I always want to have that. I sometimes feel like it's fascinating that the requirements are spelled out in the job. What I want people to, the boxes that I want people to tick and then people apply and they don't have these basic requirements, you know, but they are like requirements that are really, really basic. For example, in for the setter role, I just wanted people to actually confirm that they have these skills. For example, yes, I have experience in prospecting and or selling high value product and services. Yes, I have excellent written English. Yes, I can start a full-time position within the next four weeks, right? I sometimes got applicants that were like, yeah, I can start, but only in three months. It's like, just don't even talk to me. I don't need you in three months. I need you now, you know? So those kind of questions are good when you just have a couple of must-haves, then just ask them to confirm it. And if they don't, then you can in JotForm, this is, I'm using JotForm, the, the, the software, to ask these questions. If they say no to any one of them, then you can set it so that if they say no to something, you can say, okay, sorry, then, then we're not a fit. Don't, don't even go further. It saves them time as well. And also, for example, here, the compensation, you know, this is, this is the compensation structure. Let them tick, yes, I'm okay with that. Must have questions are, have them explicitly confirm that they have the relevant skills. I also recommend that you ask for the social media URLs. If they have a LinkedIn presence, you just want to see, you know, are they ever posting anything interesting? You know, are they somebody who's who's keen to build their personal brand? It's always a bonus, right? If they are familiar with this, especially in the domain that we work in. Then the more premium the role, the more involved long-form question you can ask, like what are your career goals, biggest successes in your career so far? Why are you interested in this offer? What's the depth of their experience and so on? Compensation structure, we, we discussed that. And I would say the fill out length is anywhere from five to 20 minutes. Of course, somebody who's just gonna be doing some data entry tasks for you, you're not gonna ask them about their career goals. But somebody is like gonna be a setter or doing content for you, definitely I would, I would have a bit more of, a, of an impression of them as a person. And then it's the paid project. So why paid? Because the best people have options and they will not work for free. And then why a project and not an, an interview? I believe that if you do a project, you bias your selection away from charisma and towards the quality of work. I've found this to always be very useful. It's effectively an on-the-job interview. And I think this is way better. You see the quality of their work. You see if they pay attention to detail, how good they are. Yes, sure, you will have to pay three to five people at the same time. But if you do it well, for example, let's say it's all about captioning videos. We'll give them five different videos that you've produced and have each person caption each, like each of everybody captions a different video so that you still get the value, right? Even if somebody does a poor job, it's going to be such that you can still correct it and they will have done some valuable work for you. Okay, so you can 
Yes, it's a bit of an investment, but it's absolutely worth it in my opinion. Quality people show their quality in, in, in the work. Yeah, and so design a short project, very simple in the case of video editors. It's a bit trickier in jobs like content management, you have to be a bit more creative and just simply in those projects, focus on the skills that will be the most important. So if it's writing or attention to detail, just think about what will the job require so that, yeah. Um, and this is the thing that I'm then gonna be testing for. And then finally, a quick interview to gauge chemistry. This is important for premium roles, obviously optional for lower value roles. What I found, this has worked really well for me. I had one lady who did some work for me and it was patchy. It was up and down. Sometimes I felt like she's not really getting it, what I want her to do. And so at that point, it was, we were a couple of weeks in. So I asked her, hey, let's just quickly talk. You know, maybe there's some miscommunication. And whenever you do this, it always kind of, it works things out, you know? So suddenly you get a feeling for the other person, you ask them about what are their circumstances and so on. You get to know each other a bit. It was incomparably better after that. So I would do it more as a reactive tool to do interviews and that. And then, yeah, training them. I think simply, you just simply start a document, like where you give them the description of what they need to do. And then over time, as you see, as they work, you adjust, you add to this document. I think what has worked really well for me is don't even do a live training. Give them the document, give them the instructions, because those instructions we're gonna, are going to then be useful. Sure, you can give them a training. Sometimes I give a training, I record that training, and then the next person, if this person doesn't work out, or if I want to hire somebody else, this person can then watch that training. That's fine. But if ever possible, try to go without it, right? So for example, this job was, uh, yeah, this was about first lines in cold emails, right? So you get, I write cold emails to people and the first line gets personalized. What I asked the virtual assistant to do is to look at the person, have a few decision-making criteria when to exclude them. So for example, exclude anyone who sells anything that is less than $500. Um, do exclude people who have side hustles that don't make money and so on. Exclude a couple of people who you don't want to have. And then if they are right, if they fit the bill, look at their LinkedIn profile and write a first line or search for them on YouTube, search for them on podcasts, and then write a first line that references something that they did recently. That's the job description. So I just write it as an instruction, give all the details as I think whatever she will need, and then tell her, okay, here are 20 people, go and do it. And she does it, and then you control the quality of the work. And then when you see that, she keeps making the same mistake. For example, in, in our case, it was she kept using a couple of turns of phrase that I found it doesn't sound like me. So I told her, please stop using this kind of turn of phrase. And then I put it in here, right? Just so that she can remember and so on, right? So do it just simply, the point is, do a brain dump in a Google Doc and see if the virtual assistant can manage on their own and then iterate on the document and only if they are struggling, then jump on Zoom. And also I found this to be useful, give them only commenting access, not editing. At some point I had a virtual assistant who went into the document and made notes in it and it was became a bit of a mess. I only give them commenting access so that they can ask questions about something, but they cannot edit the document itself.
yeah, and this is a document that you can, I'm also going to link to in the show notes so you can see what that looks like. Okay, so a couple of more questions that I've received beforehand. So here's a couple of answers just to give you the idea of what in our space, consultants, coaches, B2B uh, company, CEOs, what kind of activities will we might we want to outsource in the area of sales and marketing? So I just put this into this table, appointment setters, the tasks are prospecting conversation with cold leads, compensation is 20 to 40. The, the time it takes to be at 100%, I would say that's about a month where they are fully productive. And the time to set up the ad is maybe between one and four hours. And the hours you need to train them is probably going to be five to 10 hours. It's going to be quite involved. Then the content manager, the compensation is a little bit lower here. It's things like email drafting, organizing content, drafting content for social media and blog. The time to be fully productive, I would also estimate it to be at one month. Time to set up the ad and train them is probably the same. And then the premium virtual assistant, there the compensation is, is less, of course. They're pretty quickly, they are on board and fully productive. Time to set up the ad is one hour. Hours you need to train them three to five. Video editors, and it just goes down from here. Video editor is really, really simple, right? You just tell them, hey, there's this video this is the structure that i want you to put around it this is here's the jingle just dump it all into one google drive and let them do the first version and then just correct it you know most video editors who are on upwork who have a good rating they will usually know what to do you know it's a pretty much standardized thing don't expect from these kind of video editors don't expect too much creativity right some of them, you know, like to, to add funny graphics and so on to the video, there you'll have to pay a little bit more. I would say 10 to $15 if you want somebody to also play creatively with your video and, and, and give it more oomph. But if it's just you record a video and you want them to cut out the ums and arms, that's, that's okay. And also to, for example, cut clips from it. Everything that is basically just execution, very simple to find. And at this rate, 5 to $8, if you go for more premium stuff, then of course you have to pay a bit more. Okay, then the one question was, what resources would I need? Access to tools, visual assets, written processes. So the written process is very useful, especially one which can grow and uh, address errors, right? So I can then show a quick example of that. Actually, let me just show that. There was this one. I found that to be quite instructive. There, because she, for example, made a couple of mistakes here and there. So I give her here. I, don't, I, I hope it's big enough. Let me just simply increase that a bit. Here, I told her, I'm giving her feedback. Like, so I observe her work and I see, okay, another frequently committed uh, error is saying things like, I see you're running ABC company. You guys have such amazing technology and so on, right? So just don't say this kind of stuff. Similarly, don't use these kind of words, you know, that, she kept using. You can use these words, but don't say I am astonished. One one person actually wrote, use the word wonderstruck. Like I'm wonderstruck at your company. It's like, no, that's not gonna work, you know. So that's that. So that's a good yeah. So it's good to have like one block in the document as a description, this is the job description, and then a sort of something of a diary that then keeps people. Uh, where you can give them give them feedback on whatever they are doing. Cool. 
So that's that. That's the training and more answers. Yeah, a couple more questions. How do you tell when somebody's not working out and it's time to try someone else? So the answer to this is when when the work doesn't get done, obviously it doesn't get done well and on time. And then also just trust your gut in that. You know, it's like, you know, when you know, when you feel like this should be easier, this is not working out, give them, give them some feedback, jump on Zoom with them to see if you can resolve it in person. But if they just not, I had one guy who just constantly kept making mistakes. And then he also, it's an accumulation, right? So he was not particularly good at what he was doing. And he then also asked me to use a specific tool to pay him, although we agreed on PayPal. He then wanted a different tool to pay him. It was a bit of a headache. And so I just said, this is just too much. It's just, this is for all this effort. It's not good enough. Goodbye, you know. So sometimes you just have to make the make the cut. How to minimize risks, output quality, cost, and time sync. I, I generally believe that this process is the is really good. Like where you just have a landing page with a video where they get an impression of you, no cover letter, but a questionnaire where you tick those boxes. I think that minimizes the risk most effectively. And then maximize benefits, getting more stuff done that adds value to your business. Do the weekly time audit once a quarter. This is something that is worth doing on a regular basis. See what you're spending time on, track that, and then based on that, decide which activities can be outsourced. Oh, more questions. I think you're still on mute. So I have a question. Shall I, shall I ask a question or do you have... No, yeah, please. No. no, no, please. Right. Go for it. Um, so I wanted to ask you, um, uh, especially on the video stuff, like some of the things like with the, with the videos, one of my biggest challenge with doing videos is that I don't know how to do it myself you know um so it's not such a thing that i can write down but i can write down here's the like videos in some sense might be simple so i can write down here's the, what the output that i want is to have an, an intro like this and an outro like that and remove the ums and ahs and make the sound better right um uh, mm -hmm. but i do, do i do i need to be like telling them hey how to do this in in i don't know Premier Rush or whatever it is that we they would be using, or do mm -hmm. they, we, I presume we assume that they know how to use the, those kinds of tools, and we don't need those kinds of tools because they're using those kinds of tools. Does that make sense? Yes, but you don't you don't really you don't really care about which tools they're going to be using. You only care right, about, right, right. about you care about the outcome. So what I found actually to be quite useful is I give them. Go ahead. Sorry. I give them the building blocks, right? <clears> so there's. There's, for example, the song that I use as the intro. This is in one doc, in one oh. Google Drive folder, is the building blocks of the components that are necessary for my podcast, right? So here's the the song that they're gonna use. Then here we have a checklist. This is like a the process. Wednesday evening, upload raw video file, upload separate audio file, and so on. Like this is what has to be done by every you know at every step. And then this I found to be very useful. It's a visual representation of a podcast episode. So there's the intro text, you know, welcome to the state of client acquisition. This is your host, Michael Bahanas. Then the music starts. This is the jingle, you know, and then comes the audio intro and so on. So he knows this is the entire anatomy of yeah. a podcast episode, right? And if you just give him, give them the... Yeah, the output, whatever you want to be the outcome, that's all you need. You don't need to you don't need to know how to do this stuff yourself. Just describe the the outcome. 
And, and in terms of like when you talk about uh, selecting clips from things, like so cutting, cutting out ums and ahs and improving the sound quality or whatever is the kind of thing where I think you can just say cut the ums and ahs, go and listen to it and cut them out. Yeah. Um, but if you were to say, and I want to have three clips from this that are good, you, I presume that then you need to you need to watch through it again to figure out where no. those clips are. No, no, no. I'm gonna show you. This is an awesome way. This is one of those higher <clears> value <throat> VA activities. You need to have somebody who's a little bit switched on. Thankfully, I have a lady who is terrific in this. I just upload the the document, the video to YouTube. It's in private mode, so only she can see it. And then she just goes through it and does this. So this is the clip content. She summarizes what the clip content is about. Yeah. And then this she tells, this is the information she gives to the video editor. The clip starts at 1048. And the words that I use that where he should make the cut before them is the main issue. So that's where the clip starts. And the clip ends at 1430. And the last words are of B2B. Right, so that's like a four-second four clip then, then? Is that what that is? Or a four-minute clip? This is going to be a four-minute, roughly three-minute three, uh, and 50 seconds clip, yes. Right, right. And so but she's, watched it, she's watched this clip, this video, and said, yeah. this is an interesting thing that Michael said. I should, we should highlight this. You don't yeah. need to go through it and say, here's where I think I said something interesting. Well, I do sometimes, once I've finished the episode, for example, once I had an episode where the first half hour was pretty kind of bad and, and we didn't really uh, click with the person that I was talking to, I actually had my video guy to cut that entire first half because it was just weird understanding and some misunderstandings in it. So I just had him cut that. And I told her, because in the second half, there was good information. And I told her, only focus on the second half. And she knows that the clips are mainly about where I am adding value. So she should not take clips where it's the other person talking a lot. Right, right, right. Okay, cool. Right? I do always offer the other person, when I interview somebody on my podcast, I always offer them, hey, do you, will you want to use these clips of you talking in for yourself? Will you want to do that? Because in that case, I ask my VA to also cut uh, the clips from the person I interviewed. But most right. most of the time they don't. Like I, I haven't, it has happened once. Most of the time they don't really want it. And in that case, I just tell my, my, my VA to only select clips that she, because also the great thing is that she is a student. She studies marketing. She's in the Philippines. She's studying marketing. And so she's very interested in this whole field. So I trust her that she's going to make a good judgment. And usually the clips that she makes are good enough. Right? And so the, the Our, someone who is your, your senior VA, your 20, 15 an hour, 20 an hour, whatever it is. No, 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 no. She's also at, she's like 750. Okay, she's, right. This is the one I mentioned where I said she's, uh, I got lucky because she's very switched on. And because I give her enough work and because she's also um, a marketing student, so I lucked out because she's at a normal VA rate. I still think whenever I talk to people, like people who are in the same job role, they always tell me that, oh my God, you're paying crazy money for virtual assistants. I got mine for $4. You know, they try to kind of one-up each other at how cheap they got their VAs. It's just, I'm, I don't care. 
I'd rather pay yeah. reasonably, you know, it's like whether it's five or seven fifty, I don't care. And I want them to be happy as well. So maybe I'm overdoing it. You know, maybe I think that, oh, it's such a difficult task when it really isn't. But generally, generally people are smart enough to figure out what's an interesting point, right? Yeah. And sometimes I even tell her, hey, by the way, at in the second half somewhere, I mentioned this point, that's, that's going to definitely be a good clip. So please make sure you select that. Right. So you've given her some instructions to select clips of a minute or to two minutes or thereabouts, like a couple of minutes long. As yeah, a, she already you know, knows. She already exactly. knows that it should be. I don't give her strict instructions because I, it's always about if uh, if I'm making a good point. So I don't tell her it should be maximum four minutes. No, it doesn't matter. You know, it's like if the, yeah. if the point is good, keep the whole point. But it should be like one contained point, and that's it. Okay, and then um, in terms of what she's done here, you've got like eight clips from one video, which looks like it's about an hour long video or thereabouts. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, and just presumably you've had a video guy do some video work on it. You've had her do this kind of work on it. How much? How much time do they spend on this? Well, she has to watch the video, of course. So that's going to probably take her, you know, hour and a half to do that because she has to watch the video and then select the clip. So an hour video, she's going to maybe watch it at one point five speed and then select the clip. So overall, it's maybe going to be one and a half hours. And him cutting the clips, it's probably going to be another hour. So for this whole activity of cutting clips. From one long video, I'm probably going to pay somewhere around twenty bucks. Huh. Okay, it's quite sensible. It's what? Quite sensible. Like I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's when you when you are without no, like when I try and do anything with video video editing, it takes me four or five hours to do pretty much anything. Never, you should never do video editing. The only thing that I do is uh, using Capwing, because sometimes, for example, what my VA sometimes does is that she selects that the clip is a little bit too long because I could give her that instruction. I, I forgot, but quite recently it happened twice where she selected a clip where it takes me when I'm talking, let's say 10 seconds to get to the main point. And the first few seconds are really important of a clip. I should like, I should go straight into the point that I'm making in the, in the video clip. And that's why sometimes when I just upload it to Capwing in order to add the captions, you know, and sometimes I even, this is something that I have my video guy do. He understands Capwing. He knows how it works. Sometimes when it's a long clip, I ask him to upload it to Capwing. Capwing is great because you can have a, it's like a workspace. You can share your account with someone else. He logs into Capwing and does the first draft of the captions himself. Yeah. So he does it. And then I can just log in and see how he did the captions. Usually there's a couple of things to, to correct, but that's a bulk of the work already done, right? And so, sorry, I, I got into a different topic, but what I meant to say is that sometimes she takes, she selects the clip is too long. So in Capwing, I upload it, and then I can cut off the first 10 seconds super easily, very quickly. Yeah. It's very intuitive of how you can do that in Capwing. All right, so you would do the last, like, last little bits of editing, just making it right. For what you want yes, yourself. Exactly. You but that's it's very trivial. <clears throat> yeah, so basically your workflow is kind of like you say so you get them to do the bulky but bulky bits and get it approximately right. You occasionally yeah. polish things and then just pump just pump it out. And then yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And then it's it's all about like here, this is the podcast production, and then I go to season two, and then every episode that I have, you know, let's say episode 32. 
And then I upload it here, and he then creates these clips with clips and output. Uh-huh. Oh, you know, so output's the whole these are the these are the raw files that I upload, and he then creates two subfolders. One is the output where there's a finished files, and here are the clips that he then cut out of it. Right. So output's the full thing, and then clips. Are yeah, the output is the full thing. Clips are the clips. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Interesting. Um, I, so, so I have one another question on this. Um, with like anything to do with graphics or intros, do you? you I guess you create that separately, or because the person doing the video editing is not necessarily creative. So you get someone's creative to do that or any graphics you want on there or? Mm, I don't do, I mean, you've seen my videos. They're not terribly, I mean, they are just there to convey the value and to catch attention with the, with the strong magenta color. But other than that, I don't do videos with many graphics. Oh, like, okay. You know, yeah, right. When you do graphics, it's usually you with, a, with, a, with Google Slides. Exactly. It's either slides or I have these kind of videos. Let me just show you. Let's just look at duh, duh, duh. these are some of the clips that I did. So this is what the videos look like, right? It's just me talking to a guy. And then I can add, and you've seen this. We can just check it out in Capwing. Ugh, I will have to log in now. Well. Uh, let me see if I can just quickly do that. You should be able to continue with Google, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. I just had to delete all my... Jesus. This? I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. You've seen my videos on, on LinkedIn. Yeah. There, there's this the magenta cover, and it's really simple and quick to do on on um, in, in inside of Capwing. Okay, makes sense. So one of the other things that I was—I have another topic apart from video. If you if you're happy, but oh sure, go for it. So um, one of the other things that I think about sometimes is because because I, I do um, presentations for both sales presentations for corporates because my customers are corporates and they the budget is you know it's it's got to be ten to twenty thousand normally so it requires a, sell, a custom sales presentation usually and then I do delivery <clears throat> of um, video training and stuff to their teams. And so I like to have um, uh, the the slides looking good, right? Because yep. um, it tends to make a difference to how they see it. And so I spend I am spending too much time on that. That's just a thing that I spend too much time on, and I yep. can do it quite well. Um, in terms of like getting judgment on things, like because like design design stuff is a bit different to just processing something. Do you ever done any yep. design related stuff or? I would, I would really apply exactly the same process. I would look for yeah. somebody on Upwork. There's everything under the sun on Upwork. And you just put a job ad out there and say, I need somebody to make my slides look good for corporate presentations. Yeah, this is definitely something you're going to probably pay 20, 30, maybe even 40 bucks for per hour. Right? So you have to be prepared to pay for quality, but simply then select through in the, exactly the same process select three to five people who appear to be good, give them different slides to beautify as a test project, maximums to spend one hour, do your best with these three slides, right? Yeah. And they, they should prettify it or whatever you give them as instructions. And then whoever you feel did the best job, they're going to get the job. Yeah, I suppose so. yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, 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 I think I just overthink things. Yeah. Yeah. Could be, but I, I think just always ask yourself, is this process that I just outlined to you, 
would this not be applicable? Could you not apply it? I mean, you would probably not be able to find a a rock star software developer in this way, right? So yeah, that wouldn't work. But anything else, a lot of these kind of supportive tasks, virtually everyone you can find like this. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I'm. Uh, I think I, I get stuck on on because uh, I think most of the times I've hired people before, it's for things that I know how to do. So with video editing, for example, I know you know I don't know how to do it, so then I don't know how to hire someone. Then I feel like I need to learn how to do it before I can hire someone. No, um, but it's just not necessary. So it, in video, it's better. Video editing, in some sense, is the simplest. It is the simplest one where I've, I know what the right solution is to that, really. But there are other things that are sort of more blurry, like like presentation design. Getting that right is something that I'm not very good at, but I feel strongly about. But I, I do it myself, and I, I feel like I want to get a consistent look and feel on everything. But I'm not sure it matters that much. But yeah, the the thing is also with, uh, with this process. Let's say you find somebody like this who did a really good job, because you will, right? If you hire three to five people, you give them a test project, you will find one person who's a, who's a superstar among them, and then this person. You have them do it a couple of times just so that you can see that they're really doing a good job with that. And then you say, okay, I love this. By the way, could you create a presentation template for me in my kind of in the brand look and feel that I have and create all the slides that you've seen or you give him or her like three of your big presentations so that they see what kind of structure is repeating in your slides. There's a bulleted list. There's the graphic on one side with bullets on the left and so on. There's a couple of formats. And you just mm. ask them to create a 10-slide template for you that has a good look and feel that you like with the kind of fonts that that, that, that you that you like. For this entire project, yeah. you can pay three, 400, 500 bucks. That's it. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, so then you can test. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, I mean, I think it's just a matter of sometimes pulling my finger out and doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which, I'm, I'm curious, which tasks do you think are the most relevant for you? So, I mean, I think the thing that's on my mind at the moment is that I feel like <clears throat> I'm stuck because I get stuck with video and I want to do some video content, but I'm always um, uh, uh, a bit of a perfectionist and I'm uh, I'm struggling to get over the hump of like just doing it. Um, and sometimes it's because I, I then get stuck with technology and with solving video problems and stupid things like that. Um, so that's the big thing. In some ways, the, the, the unlocking thing is like, if I can just do a video recording myself of, with me and a and a PowerPoint um, and some audio and send it to someone and then it comes out nice at the end with captions on it, um, uh, then that's that's actually a, a big win because it just unlocks. It's not so much, not necessarily the time per se, as unlocking me from getting myself stuck. Yeah. Now, I can tell you what is going to happen to this video after we're done. I'm just going to download it from StreamYard. I'm going to upload it into this Google Drive folder that I just showed you. I'm going to quickly ping Christian. Hey, Christian, uh, video is ready. It's in the folder. And he's going to do his spiel about it. At the same time, I'm also going to upload it to YouTube, send the link to Judy. I'm going to tell her clips are ready to be done. Hi, Judy. Hi, Christian. Uh, clips are ready to be done. And they'll do it. Hey, Christian and Judy, just contact me on LinkedIn and I'll give you more work. You can do it. You can do it. Anyone watching? No, you cannot. Don't ask me for their names. I want yeah. them for myself. <laughs> Being cheeky, um, but anyway, yeah. Um, cut, you, you'll have to now. You have to cut this little piece out before you send send it to them. Mm, yeah, uh, no. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's that makes sense. Okay, um, yeah, that's helpful. Thank you. Cool. I mean, the awesome. other thing that I think is helpful is is like 
um, that I've been thinking about is like putting together a, the like my content strategy stuff. Like I, I I can sometimes write things, but I need every time I write something, I then have to put it into something and like putting it into a newsletter just takes me ages. Like just setting up a newsletter and making that kind of thing happen. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> so that's another thing that I'm stuck on because I just get stuck with configuring some stupid thing on on I don't know what it is what the what the piece of software is. Uh, Mail Mailchimp, right? Or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, I'm making a link to go to the right place and then making sure my blog post is on the blog post that has the link that goes to the right place and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. And that's what another, another thing that I think is less less to do with the time sink, more to do with me getting stuck. Uh -huh. And so, so yeah. to me, to me the, 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 the solution here is about getting unstuck more than the time sink. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. That, I, I, I don't know what, what advice to give you on that, but it's it's really about the how much quality time do you want to spend on your business, right? Because these are generally not quality tasks, right? Yeah. And as as we're, I mean, this is one of the projects that I also want to tackle. For example, I would just want to, especially when I just translate a LinkedIn topic into an email, this is something that a that a content person could do for me. Or for example, draft one email, but she's going to do that in active campaign inside so i don't not just do it in google docs and then i have to copy it over and faff around with formatting no do it in active campaign and save it as a draft and i'm just going to go over it read it send a test email boom done yeah. right so that's one of the things that i also want to address i don't have it all you know i don't have these kind of content things outsourced yet i plan to right so but that kind of thing does that mean that you have to teach her enough to be able to come up with content or are you coming up with no. content you're feeling no, it's ideas. For example, one email idea that I have that I, I feel that people are responding well to, and I see this in the emails that I'm sending out, that whenever I send a link to one of my LinkedIn posts, that gets clicked on a lot. So people, for some reason, like to click on stuff when I say, hey, and a good example of this is here, click to the LinkedIn post. So people yeah. res resonate with that. So what I think of doing is to do uh, the, the, the best, my best posts on LinkedIn this last week like a digest and what are the lessons learned from it? Maybe, you know, and that is something that um, a content manager, just, you know, somebody like a, a junior marketer could do for me, could be drafting for me. Right. Right. So there's looking at it, but looking at how does she get the lessons learned? Is that something that you say, I learned this from no, this? No, it would, she would, I would tell her, take your stab at it. What do you think is the lesson learned? Why did this post perform well? And the others didn't. Right. So she would she would then write it, do a draft, and then I would just judge whether she's right or not. I would then just correct it inside Active Campaign. But she right, has already set it up. Anyway. Exactly, she's already set it up with the links and so on and all of that. Is this someone who's like, it's, you know, is this the twenty dollars an hour person doing that? Because that's more. Sorry? Is that is that a more expensive person doing that? Yeah, I think so. I think this is really something that, especially when it comes to writing stuff. Yeah. I feel that uh, just anybody who is outside of Europe or the United States and South Africa and Australia, of course, anybody where English is like their second language, they just usually don't get the language right. You know, they yeah. use like weird expressions that I then have to change wholesale, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's why. And because these countries tend to then be more, you know, more expensive to live in, you cannot hire somebody in the UK for five bucks, right? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you will have to pay a little bit more. It makes sense. All right, that's been really helpful, Michael. I, I'm, I'm glad you liked it, Richard. Good to see you.
Yeah, I like that. Cool. The State of Client Acquisition is a Content360 production. Music by Gavin Knox Grand. To sign up for alerts and to submit written and audio questions, go to stateofclientacquisition.com. I'll talk to you in the next episode. Fire across the country